Hi, and welcome to the SJ Child Show. The SJ Child Show brings value to families through education, resources, and lots of laughs. You can find us on our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find our special children's books at sgchilds.org. This month is April Autism Action Month. All of our guests in April will be autism warriors, and we are celebrating them and bringing this to the forefront. Welcome Enjoy to the, the SJ Child Show. I'm your host, SJ Child, and today's special guest is a friend, a mentor, and just a wonderful, amazing woman all around, Natalie Castro. And Natalie is coming here from Salt Lake City with me. Well, maybe more a little bit south of that, but I'm so happy to have her with me today. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Sarah. How are you today? Really great. I'm so glad that you could make it. And you and I share, you know, the important mission of autism awareness. And I'm so glad that you could make it to help tell the story of what you're doing out in the world. Let well, it, I really appreciate you having me on and yeah. connecting with you. <laughs> it's so much fun to do this. I, I just love every second of it. Tell us about um tell us about how you actually got started and kind of the beginning of this for you. Yeah. So um Angie was diagnosed when she was 18 months. So her and I are um actually 18 months apart. I'm older. And ever since uh, she was little, I just always volunteered my time at her therapy sessions growing up, um, at summer camp, school events. So being able to learn from different professionals at a young age, how to connect with Angie was more of the intention behind it and understanding what her needs actually were um, was really important for my parents to teach me because they themselves didn't feel like they had all the tools and resources because they were also constantly learning. So they always involved me in everything that Angie did just so that way I could have more of an awareness and understanding of what Angie's needs were and how, you know, and why it affected our lifestyle. Yeah. And I, that's so beautiful because, you know, I'm coming at it from a totally different angle as a parent, um, as a wife, and it's, it's such a different outlook and perspective when you have never had the opportunity to not know about autism, right? Yeah, I think it's really different, but I do feel it's just a matter of what stage in life you learn about it in. Mm -hmm. Whereas siblings, we grow up and I feel talking to other siblings are very protective over their siblings as well. And they usually go into the field of some sort. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think it's it's different learning experiences as a parent, as a sibling. I'm Angie's a co-guardian as well. So that was also a role I had to uh, kind of jump in and learn more about at a young age. Um, but I truly feel that we all have different experiences that we can learn from each other in all the walks of life through the autism journey. Yeah, isn't that the truth? And I, I love being able to, you know, not only in April, but throughout the time that I'll be doing this is, is celebrate those autism warriors and celebrate those who rise above social, um, you know, stigmas, who, who rise above the idea that a diagnosis is a bad thing or that, you know, some of the, I, the older fashioned, you know, ideas that people with autism can't be successful. Well, I'm here to prove them wrong. And I know that you are as well. 
Yeah, and I truly feel that if we as a community can learn to adapt to each other's strengths instead of focusing so much on the disability of it, I do feel that our community would be able to, um, they would be able to have this varying experience of not just, you know, children with autism, but teaching children, even neurotypical children, how all of the skills and tools and resources we use for children with autism, even with Down syndrome, how it could be applied to all children. Because at the end of the day, we do want to focus on ex- inclusivity, mm-hmm. but we can't really do that through unless we adapt ourselves as a community. No, I 100% agree with that, that we really do need to adapt. And, you know, one thing I would love to see change personally is the ideas or the language behind things. I'm really uncomfortable with the word disorder and I would love to see that removed, you know, from the, the autism, because I find it's a reorder of thinking. It is a different order of thinking process. It's, they're not, it's not a disorder. I, and so I just, I, I hate those words that I think place, you know, kind of a damper on your child's self-confidence on how that they can, you know, see themselves in the world. And I think if we prepare them differently saying, Hey, you think differently than others, that doesn't make you wrong or right. It just makes you think differently. (laughs) And that's all there is to it. Just a percept, the perception, right? Right. And again, it's all about adapting to everyone's skill sets. So, you know, with my background in education and therapy, and now I'm doing designing for um, homes, is that it's just really about the education and the awareness of, okay, this is this person's strong skill set, whether they have autism or not. It's just being able to adapt and say, okay, because of their autism diagnosis is because they think and process things differently, but it doesn't mean that they can't perform certain tasks. It doesn't mean they can't strive for goals for themselves or be successful in life or have all these ambitions that they want to um, have. It's just a matter of adapting it and being able to recreate it in the way that fits their strong their strengths. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that that is a powerful message for people to just, you know, focus on, on people's strengths, no matter whether they are autistic or not. I agree with that. And I think that lifting up and having, um, community leaders like yourself, who, um, I am excited to say and announce, um, you're running for Miss Utah and what a, a more amazing person than you to do that and to really be the forefront of, of change for our society. I'm really excited for the opportunity just because to share about the autism of platform is really, you know, it's so important to me because growing up, I realized that learning from Angie and being able, being Angie's sister with that journey, she's actually taught me how to connect with people beyond words. Um, she didn't have any words till she was nine. So I had to learn from a very young age, how her behavior, actually it's the little things that she does that shows me that she loves me or shows me that she's trying to connect with me and being able to generalize that into adulthood today is why I feel that connection that I have with people is so strong is because of my experience of having Angie as my sister and learning so much from her. So if we can take our learning experiences and our autism journey and actually shift it to 
create more of a purpose in our life or our why or be able to incorporate it into our passion, we're creating a community of inclusivity, of of adaptation and awareness just by sharing our stories, just by inspiring one other parent to shift their mindset and say, okay, this is my journey. It's hard. I'm not discrediting certain things that, you know, as autism families, siblings, parents that we go through. But if we can have more of that positive shift and support, I do see a huge difference in all of my clients that their children just, I mean, the progress that they make just because their parents took that shift in their mindset to say like, the autism journey is what empowers me and what impacts us. It doesn't, you know, bring us down or it doesn't, or it doesn't break us, you know, if it can make us instead of break us, I think we could have an even bigger shift as a community. Um, And it resonates into the professionals and other people in our community who don't necessarily live the autism lifestyle, but they can have more of an understanding and more awareness of um, how we can adapt and be able to serve all individuals, not just, you know, Exactly. (laughs) No, and I agree. And I think that, you know, I've been kind of advocating for this too and uh, educating people, you know, right now, uh, per the CDC, the numbers are one in 54 of every child has autism in the United States. That's not to mention, um, you know, girls are so grossly misoverlooked in their diagnoses. Mm -hmm. And the numbers are rising three times per year. Since the 1970s, autism has risen 170%. That is an increase that us as a community, other community members, people that don't know about autism, I'm sorry to say you don't have an option. With these increase of numbers, educate yourself or you'll be found in a situation where you're having to be educating yourself. So I think it's wise and that we look at this and be as proactive as possible. I think too, a lot of the times what I come across, and this is when I educate therapists on working with children with autism or even law enforcement or medical doctors is that there's a balance between educating and kind of having that assumption that they under they should understand immediately if we explain to them textbook autism they should immediately understand where we're coming from so as a community if and as a autism community and then you know our community of professionals or um, community members if we can find that balance between just trying to understand one another and create that awareness instead of that assumption i think that's really powerful because a lot of the times i can't picture what my life would be like without angie but then again I can't picture what my life can be like without Angie or, or, you know, with and without Angie. So if I was a community member and I wasn't in the autism journey per se, it would be really difficult for me to put myself in the shoes of a parent or put myself in the shoes of a sibling. So we need to do better as a community to project that awareness in more of a loving understanding and awareness way, not so much as a well, I, they need to understand, or they have to understand, like there's a way to teach. And that's why when I go to like medical offices or I'll go to law enforcement, I try to grab the, I, I try to help them shift their mindset to put themselves in the shoes, but also understanding that we're trying to put ourselves in their shoes. Yeah. And that's where we're going to bridge that communication gap. Yeah, no, I completely, I love that you said that part of it because that is such, such a true statement that, you know, before I had uh, my son and he had autism, I had no 
you know, I knew that autism was a thing, but I had no experience with it. And I wouldn't have gone and educated myself on something that I wasn't going to be having experiences Mm -hmm. with most likely. So I think that that's really, really wise. And I didn't mean to be condescending by saying everybody needs to know, but we, as you and I, this is where our, you know, we step in and we say, okay, how can we educate better? How can we help you learn? Like, I want to talk about the uh, law enforcement training and how that looks um, and your success with that. Cause that's, that's such an important part of our communities. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's not even, you know, it, it's that us as families, we just have such a passion for yeah. everybody <laughs> to understand that it's, it's not that it's condescending at all. It's just like, it, it's our passion. Yeah. And sometimes it can just come across to people who don't live it as like, wait a second, you want me to understand what your 12 years and yeah. like your daily life and autism is. And it's like, okay, let's take a step back and say, okay, how can we project that message? Yes. How can we help them better understand? Cause we're coming from that emotional, like <laughs> passionate. We, you know, I, I want everybody to just understand Mama my whole entire blueprint. Yeah. <laughs> right. Even, even sister, right? Like yes. I want everybody to understand my blueprint of being an autism sibling. Like you should just understand. And even I've had to take a step back and say, they have no idea what I mean. Even going yeah, through. yeah. Um, so it's kind of funny sometimes. So when I train law enforcement, that's the biggest thing that I, I say to them in the beginning is that I'm here to advocate for the autism community, but I'm also here to have an understanding of what they go through on a day-to-day basis. So that way it's, it's not so like one-sided. It's not, you know, just someone in the autism community educating them. It's someone who's also advocating for them on the subject. So I've been able to really build that rapport and relationship with law enforcement through doing that. Um, and sometimes I'll have parents come in or share their stories. And, you know, sometimes the officers, they, they just don't have an understanding of the lifestyle. So they're trying to be empathetic. They're trying to understand, but then we're also not understanding their day-to-day activities, what they go through. Like autism is probably, we feel autism is a huge percentage in our head, whereas to them, it's probably not as big as in our head. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Like what they go through on a day-to-day Definitely. basis. I like that. Um, and, you know, I, one thing when you and I had, were talking to some officers at, in a meeting once, we, mm-hmm. I really like that, you know, the important part of what we can do as parents and as siblings and as just as our community is to take our stories to our own law enforcement Mm -hmm. to let them know we have to do our part as parents. We have to do our part because relying on them, like you said, to have all this magical information of our entire lives and how to solve our problems is, is, is ridiculous and, and not even possible. So I think the baby steps in taking, you know, there are forms, emergency contact profiles that you can fill out. You can take to your local um, law enforcement or fire departments, any kind of emergency responder so that when they do come, if that ever happens, they will have the power, they will have the education and the tools to help you best, but they don't have that unless you provide it for them. Right. And I actually go to the trainings. I don't charge for them. It's just part of what I love to do. It's part of my, you know, advocacy, what I want to give back to my community. Um, but one of the things that they have struggled with is they don't understand the textbook side of autism. So I make sure that in my trainings, I do explain to them, for example, 
what a child's sensory needs look looks like, what apraxia is, the different types of communication. So I can teach them all about what autism is. But at the end of the day, what I'm trying to do is help them, one, understand autism, two, understand both of where their mindset is when they go on a call versus a family where the family side is a little bit more emotional and how to balance that out um, to be able to communicate effectively together. But it's also the number one thing I do teach them is how to connect mm. with the individual on the spectrum, because a lot of the times, you know, our loved ones with autism have that hard time um, initiating that connection. So I want to give the officer the power to initiate that, to be able to impact that positive mm -hmm. um, communication with them. And in return, it just makes families feel like, you know, maybe, the, maybe if the situation wasn't at least to their standard or whatever happened for the family members, but the families can at least feel that the officers are trying to communicate and connect to their child. You will see a big shift between the interaction from the family members in an event and then the officers in the event. Mm -hmm. And that at the end of the day is the most important thing. Um, and I also train family members on how to best interact with police officers, because again, they're coming from a very logical, like proactive standpoint where they're, trained to respond to certain calls. Whereas the family members, you know, we're coming from an emotional response. Yeah. So it can kind of butt heads a little bit on a call, but if we can learn from each other, how to have more of an awareness and connect. Yeah. I can, I think we would see a big um, difference. Yeah. That's that. good. What kind of, um, what do you hear of about maybe involving the dispatchers? Do they get involved in the trainings? Because isn't it so important that that first person, that first contact that's made is able to make the right decisions for that call? So I have had dispatchers come into the trainings and it's been really great to get their perspective on it mm -hmm. as well. Of course, police officers would much rather know in advance that if they are going on a scene, if there is an individual with autism, yes. they can approach it very differently. But at the end of the day, do we as family members understand how important it is to alert our local police department? Hey, you know, we're so-and-so for me, for example, I'm Natalie Castro. This is my address. My sister lives in my home. Um, here's some things you should know. We as family members, we're thinking about so many other things that unfortunately we don't want to put in our minds. Oh yeah. Our sibling or our child's going to interact with law enforcement. That's not the first thing that comes to our mind. Yes. So it's really important for us as family members to be able to create some form of communication system of the right questions, the right things that officers should know about our, um, our sibling or child, um, and be able to relay that message. Mm -hmm. So I think both different departments that I'm working with, I am working on them reaching, doing a family outreach to their local autism families. But I also think it's just as important to, for the autism families to have an awareness of how important yes. um, certain information is. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my goals personally through my advocacy group is to someday when restrictions are lifted and, and it's less of, of COVID everywhere that we can start to put together some meet and greets with our community. And obviously I'm going to do it, you know, here in my community, because that's where I'm at, but I hope right. that we can find kind of, you know, maybe a system that works well, that they can maybe, you know, start doing it in other places. And I'm sure that there are a lot of 
meet and greets, you know, that they do set up and things. So, but I would love to, to be a part of that, to be able to, you know, communicate with our law enforcement to do that. Um, thank you so much for your hard work in doing all of that. I think that, you know, it's something that is so unique in uh, one of the other more unique things that you do. (laughs) And, um, we're going to pivot on that. And I want to talk about your real estate business and your sensory room setup. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So sensory rooms, I am designing and funding for every three homes. I sell the first sensory room I'm designing here in Utah, which I'm really excited about is for the adult center at Pingree and, and Murray. Wow. Um, so I'm really excited about that one. Um, and my plan is to go into different schools and centers for children with autism. But one of the things that I love the most is I don't think families really understand the importance of how your home is structured for your lifestyle. For example, when Angie was little, she had a lot more therapists coming in the home than us going to the centers. Mm-hmm. So being able to have certain spaces for her and her sensory needs or her gross motor needs or, um, even a space for fine motor families, a lot of the times don't take those into consideration when choosing a home and also location is super important where, okay, if your child's going to school here and their therapy sessions are 20 minutes away, how much time is that really taking away from you what you're doing on a day-to-day basis? Mm -hmm. So time management with location, right? Um, But the real, real side of the real estate part where I feel is the most impactful for autism families is when I can help them design the home. So being able to communicate with the whole child's multidisciplinary team, whether it's teachers, um, recreational, you know, therapists, such as yoga or dance or music, and just the support system that the child has being able to incorporate all the goals that those professionals have and adapt their home to work on those developmental milestones to reach those goals is so important and crucial because that experience I had with my sister, now that she's an adult, it is so important to set up your home, to be able to work on those skills, to generalize it, because that's when, that's when children progress the most is Mm -hmm. when all their goals are generalized, but not just that you're forming that connection. You're, you're helping them create that sense of independence and being able to coach families on that, um, is my number one (laughs) passion for that. Um, you know, whether they're an adult, a child, children with special needs don't need excuses. They need adaptations. Yeah, definitely. What works for them and their skill sets. Excuse me. Yeah, I definitely think that is so true. And being able to, to look at your child's needs and being able to set them up in their environment to what is going to be helpful and most supportive for them. That I think is just such a wonderful thing that you're doing for, for these families and for the community. And, um, I hope, you know, I will definitely be giving you a collection of books (laughs) to go ahead and put in your thing. Yes. Well, I'll, I'll definitely get together with you and, and I'll get you, um, a collection because I'm excited to support that and to support you in all of your amazing feats. Um, <laughs> I, what else are you doing? Is there anything else? <laughs> oh, I just, I just have a 190 pound yeah. mastiff that cuddles with me, you know, <laughs> love him to death. Oh, <laughs> but honestly great. too, it, 
I think too, when you give children the space to under, have more of an awareness of themselves and being able to, for them to do things as independently as possible as they can with their strong skill sets, you start to family lifestyle. And really the point of helping parents design and adapt is always teaching them that there's, that there's a way towards that goal, that there's not a block in the road. There's not an obstacle. It's a matter of, okay, how do we, how do we pivot? How do we adapt to get there? And that's honestly the mental shift that I work on with families at most is I can help them design their whole house. I can help, I can coach them on it everything and anything how to have more effective communication with their child's multidisciplinary team. But at the end of the day, it's the parent's mindset that shifts the whole entire lifestyle of the family. Yep. And that is so true. So true. And that's why I always encourage parents, you know, especially if you're coming up, you know, I get a lot of um, questions about, well, you know, my, my doctor says that maybe my child will just grow out of this, or maybe this wasn't, you know, the case. Well, I say to them, don't you ever stop. If you, if there's something that you think is going on that you need more support, you get that support in every way possible. Like don't stop for one doctor, one specific idea that it's, it's not right for you. Just continue to follow your gut and to, you know, watch for your, your child's or siblings. You know, I I think that it's so cool that we have, we get to see this from a different perspective with you and, and see it as a sibling perspective, because my son has a sister and and I want to know that someday she'll have this radiance and confidence and grace about herself as you do, that she can move through life in, in just this way of, yeah, you know, everybody just needs to be more accepting and more adapting no matter who or what the case may be. And that's why one time I'll never forget this. I actually spoke to my elementary school. Um, I went back and it was a group of fourth graders. And I'll never forget this moment when I felt so alone when I was in fourth grade, because none of my friends knew what autism was. I mean, I couldn't even, I didn't even know how to explain it, you know? So I felt really alone. I always felt kind of outcasted that all my friends were able to do all these fun things. And then I'm like, I went to therapy sessions after school. You know, I just saw such a different lifestyle. I felt like I didn't fit in. Um, So one of the things that I remember going back to the school and educating the kids on autism is when I asked them who here knows what autism is and every single student raised their hand. And this is 12, 14 years later. And it just touched my heart so much where I was, I was explaining about autism. And at the end of it, this little boy raises his hand and he goes, Miss Natalie, Um, I have ADHD. I know it's not autism, but I have a really hard time telling my friends what that is. Can you talk about ADHD? So my friends can understand me more. Right. I was crying, (laughs) crying because it's not just, it's kids having all different types of diagnoses where they feel outcasted, where they feel. And if we can teach kids in general, the beauty of adapting and inclusivity. Imagine where our world is going to be in 10 years or 12 years Yes, in the next generations. No, I think so. one of my biggest goals in life, you know, yeah. through my books and through this is to just send the message of love and kindness. And if we teach our children how to navigate the world through accepting others, 
they won't come up against things in this fearful, like you said, being so afraid because you couldn't even explain to kids what it was. And the other kids, you know, they were just as afraid because they didn't understand themselves, I'm sure. And so just being able to give them that tiny nugget of knowledge and information, what a huge support and a huge difference we're going to make for our generations to come. Well, one of the things that I hope to do now that, you know, with COVID and everything with restrictions is sibling workshops. Mm -hmm. I'm so passionate about helping siblings find, because I think parents just have sometimes a very hard time understanding where the sibling is. Like they're trying so hard to communicate with them, but sometimes the the siblings have such guilt communicating certain things to parents. Um, that I almost want to create that safe space for them Mm -hmm. to communicate and then be able to help that interaction with the siblings and the parents. Because I mean, I I look at my parents, for example, and I said, I I always wondered what it, my life would be like if I learned about autism as a parent, not since I was born. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's a cool perspective to kind of think about both. Um, And I truly believe that if we all just come together and we can shift our mindset to how does this experience impact my life and how can this experience, how can my experience and my story impact others and shift mindsets for everybody else? I think we would be seeing a lot more advocacy um, in our community if, if we can encourage and inspire that within parents. Yeah, definitely. And I love that. And I just want to go back on the sibling thing because how that is so important, not Number one, I mean, I, you know, would want my daughter to, that is only nine to be a part of that a hundred percent, but to go back to, you know, I have a 21 year old also, and for her, I can't imagine what it was like for her as a 10, you know, I guess that she would have been 12. There is a 10 year difference between them, a 12, you know, she's 12 years old and her little brother is, you know, memorizing geography. (laughs) I mean, she literally would study for geography with him when she was like in, you know, 10th or 11th grade, uh, because he was, he had the photographic memory and he was just already doing those things. And I can't imagine how much pressure that was on her to support him, love him and not be a little bit offended that he knew more than her (laughs) at the age of 15, you know? Yeah. I, I think that I wish that there would have been something where she could have been a part more. And now that she's an adult, we can talk about these things and, and she can look at it with a different perspective of being an adult now and, and not having those feelings of teenage ism, whatever, you know, and and convoluted emotions going on with that. So, yeah, I think that that would be a really, really special thing that everybody would need. Yeah. And I think it just coming together and being able to have fun with it, um, is, is beautiful. When I had my therapy office back in Florida, one of the things that I feel really helped the progress of a lot of my clients was helping their parents have more of an awareness and understanding of why their child, um, you know, did certain behaviors or, but the biggest one is I always invited the siblings back to the therapy sessions. Parents were like, well, we want to observe. And I said, have you ever thought of the sibling observing? And they go, well, we don't, we feel bad. We don't want to take up their time. We already have them in so much. And I go, but you're missing the point of the sib taking that responsibility off of you 
and putting it more in a professional and not that parents aren't professionals, but just a different, like a speech language pathologist when I was eight was the one who helped me connect with Angie the most. And I was eight. You don't know what the siblings experiences with another professional, unless you try. And I know parents have a lot of guilt with, I hear it all the time. Their parents are guilt. You know, they feel guilt of, well, you know, we can't give as much attention to the sibling. So, you know, we feel bad then coming to the therapy session. And I said, the best thing we can do for your family is to help you all connect. And we can't do that without educating even the siblings. Oh, I agree with that. You have to come together as a whole, don't you? Because that mm -hmm. is what makes that family unit be able to move forward. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a mom and a sister and a brother, a dad and, and the sister and a brother. Yes. And at an uncle, the support you get from that support team, that family member, that is your trust person to go, you know, that relationship, those things are going to pivot your life. Like you said, in a different direction, um, be able to be more successful. They'll be able to give you the support and the empowerment to, to really just be their best. And that's why I love the design aspect of homes because, you know, I'll, I'll focus on, you know, the child with, um, you know, with autism, I'll focus on their goals, but in essence, I actually focus on the whole family dynamic of, you know, I'm not coming in to do interior designing for the aesthetics of your home. I'm doing it in more of a functional way Mm -hmm. where let's go into your child's bedroom and let's, you know, let's copy that into their sibling's bedroom and let's teach the siblings how generalized that is. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I don't know what one kid doesn't want a gym with a rock climbing wall in their basement. Like, that's not just for kids with autism. Like that is for all kids, but the more we can teach inclusion, we need to start with inclusion with the siblings. If we can't even start with the siblings, we can't reach our community. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to encourage that within our own families to advocate for that and to not have that guilt, but instead have it as a form of connection within each other to then go ahead and advocate and have that inclusion for our community. We need to start within ourselves as families for sure. That is so true. And you know, everybody is at a different place on their autism journey. If you are on one and uh, you know, we, as, as me and you as powerhouses, we completely like respect that and (laughs) we get that. And we, we hold that place sacred for you and for anyone that, that needs that kind of space and understanding um, you know, might not be where we're at in, in understanding and learning after so many years. And I mean, bless Natalie, she's been a decade over me than I've, you know, been dealing or, you know, learning about how I can better help my son and, um, and our family as a whole. So I, I thank you so much for your time today. And I think that your insight is so valuable and I just thank you so much for all the hard work you're doing in our community. Well, thank you so much for being an advocate in the community, whether you're a parent and a professional or a sibling, I do feel that the beauty of all of us, I don't feel like there's one specific autism journey. I feel like we're all always going to be in different parts of it because not one or two is the same. Um, But I love the fact that everybody comes together, shares their stories, and especially on your platform, you know, you found a purpose and you found a passion within your journey. And I really encourage other families to look up to, you know, moms like you, you. who who can empower that within themselves, empower their journey. 
Definitely. Before we go. Yeah. Thank you. Is there, um, tell us where we can find you. Tell us where the, what the links are and I'll put everything down in the description. So you won't have to (laughs) listen back and and record this again, but yeah. Tell us where they can find you. So Facebook, just Natalie Castro. Instagram is natalie.e.castro. Um, I am working on updating it, but my website is called pieces of inspiration.com that they can go to. Um, and just following me on social media is big. I'll be announcing, especially for local Utah families. I hope to do some, um, events in the future with law enforcement, with different cities and the families too. So I would love to collaborate with parents like yourself who have, who live in specific cities for that. Um, but social media is really the, the spot and you're more than welcome to share my number, email parents can message me anytime that they want. So I'm always open to talking. Yeah, of course. And you have such a great perspective. Um, one that is so unique to, you know, me as parents and my kind of parent advocacy group and everything. But along with that comes just the advocate, like you said, being able to support as a group, as a team, having that team build, um, and really work together, not just separate people, but actually having them all work together as one, such a smart idea and such great advice for families. So thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to have you here today. And, I know that we'll be in contact. So (laughs) we will definitely be chatting in the future. Good luck. I will definitely be rooting for you for Miss Utah. And um, I wish you the best in in all of these journeys. We'll be continuing to follow along. Thanks, Natalie. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Stay alive And everything else 
my heart you'll see We're slowly coming Time To think about the future Forget about the past Time To figure out a way To make this moment last To make this moment last To make this moment Sunsets, I won't let you forget that I, I need you Spring comes and spring goes forever You will know that I, I love you Sunrise and sunsets, I won't let you forget that I, I need you Spring comes and spring goes forever You will know that I, I love you